0: Hi and welcome to the Black Mum to Midwife podcast. First up, disclaimer. I'm a student midwife, so therefore I'm nowhere near qualified to giving any sort of medical advice. If you do have any issues or worries, please contact your GP, midwife or other healthcare professionals. Now that's out of the way, let's get on with the show. So let's jump right in with um, what's happening. (laughs) it has been quite a lot of things happening actually because um, this is the first episode first of all and um, we've been locked up, well on lockdown I should say and during this time there's been a lot of highs and lows personally and one of the lows I guess has been the whole George Floyd murder. That's the only way to put it, really. He was murdered in the street. And just the culmination of so many images of police brutality that we've seen online, um, social media became really toxic place. And, well, you, you couldn't really not see it. You couldn't really... Because it was just everywhere. Everywhere you saw acts of hate and for no apparent reason other than... The person's race the color of person's skin which is ridiculous but as a black woman i've i know that there are just people that hate you that hate me just because i'm black which yeah it doesn't make any sense but there's as a result of that there has obviously there's been the rise in black lives matter movements all over the world which was an amazing thing to see you know Finally, people, it seemed as though scales were falling from people's eyes and they finally saw what so many of us have been saying for so long. You know, beginning to see just how much and how deep-rooted racism is in our society as a whole. Like, we live within these racist systems and we have to survive within them. But if you don't necessarily live the life if you haven't walked in you know a black person's shoes you're not really privy to the everyday things like the everyday microaggressions that you that kind of chip and chip and chip away at you but more people are beginning to i want to say understand and more people are open to hearing about it and open to having conversations because talking about race as we all know, is not really the easiest subject. It's not something you bring up at a dinner party, is it? So um, there's been a lot more talk about it, a lot more of people being honest with themselves, with their friends and, and loved ones, about, you know, not knowing the extent that they benefit from a certain system, a uh, system of, of um, white supremacy. Or... Feeling like you know now's the time that I actually have to speak up when I hear you know someone telling a racist joke or someone saying something that's just just not right. Instead of ignoring it, you know, just say something. You need to call it out. Being actively um, anti-racist as opposed to just you know saying oh yeah, yeah yeah I'm not racist and then turning your head and looking the other way and um, allowing things to carry on. So there's been a lot of that and. At times it's it's um it's tiring especially when people kind of um look to you as like the black fa- the, the black one that can explain everything um and that's not to say that I'm not willing to help people educate people I'm all for it if somebody's actually genuinely wanting to um learn uh educate themselves I will always point people in the right direction I'm not averse to doing that. There's um, absolutely no harm in that, but it's the um, it's almost like the reliving of traumatic experiences. It just makes you think of how your life has been and how different my life has been to other people. Like for instance, I think when. I think we were about, I was about seven years old and my family moved to Dagenham from East London, we moved to Dagenham and I remember one morning walking to school and I walked past, on my way to school there was a bus bus stop and um, there was like a lamppost right by it and I don't know what what it was, why it caught my eye but something on the lamppost caught my eye and it was a sticker so I just kind of moved closer to it to see what it said and it turned out to be a Combat 18 sticker with, like, their logo or emblem or badge or whatever it was with the words Keep Essex White on it. And I remember I remember exactly that. In that moment, I don't think I've, I had ever been so afraid in my whole life, in my whole <laughs> seven years of living. I was so scared. Because to me, I read that as somebody telling me you don't belong here. We don't want you here. And we're going to do something about that. Like, that's that's what my seven-year-old brain, like, just went to automatically. And I remember looking around to check that nobody had seen me look at this thing. Like, nobody's seen me, like, look at this sticker. And then just running straight to school, just running to school. And then I, I never told anyone about it. I didn't tell anyone at school. Didn't tell parents or anything. I just remember feeling so scared every time I walked past that lamppost, that sometimes I would just walk the long way, I'd go around the block the other way, just so I didn't have to walk past that lamppost. It was just that horrible feeling of fear. And I remember having that same horrible, like gut-wrenching feeling. The first time <laughs> the first time somebody screamed the N-word at me from a moving car, I automatically froze. And just I almost half expected something to just be like thrown at me, thrown at my head or something. I would just brace myself for some sort of impact, which never came. And um, then I would just kind of pull myself together and just carry on, by which time somebody would have turned around and like looked at me, which would just be embarrassing and they would be long gone. So things like that. Some of my friends have never experienced, whereas some of my friends have, or similar. Um, so our journeys are very, very different, um, in a lot of ways. But learning from each other and listening to each other's, you know, versions of existence will go some way into, um, to making people realise we're more alike than we are different. But in the meantime, there is so, so, so much work to be done because, as I said, we're living in systems that are designed to benefit one part of society and not the other, um, at the expense almost of another part of society. So we have to do what we can do to kind of dismantle these systems and we can only do that from the inside out. So I'm on my own little mission. I'll, I'll have to update you on that at some other time, but I'm trying to be proactive, in in what I do now. I think the inner activist has been awoken in me since um, attending a protest, one of the Black Lives Matter protests locally. And yeah, it was that day I just felt, yeah, you have to, you have to do whatever you can do. You can't look back on this kind of time because I I really think that this, well, this year is definitely going to be one for the history books because it's just all kinds of lift up. But there's, there feels like there's a shift happening in society. The, um, I'm hoping the momentum carries on, but um, I think it's really, really important that everyone does what they can and you can't ignore it now. You can't, you can't say, oh, I don't know. I didn't know about this. I didn't know about that. The amount of times I've seen this book being recommended and that book being recommended and people the posts on social media just really informative stuff like you cannot claim ignorance anymore you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution and that's that on that um so what else has been happening oh, The the many highs and lows of lockdown i've been so up and down like really up and down my poor husband um <laughs> i feel sorry for him sometimes but it has been really up and down even just before lockdown came into effect I should say towards the end of March Um, I'd been having quite a hard time personally I was getting very anxious I was getting really really anxious I was not sleeping well I was holding tension like I was getting headaches all the time I had to take a little bit of time out to kind of look after myself a bit and so the beginning of lockdown for me was quite intense actually, it was really intense because I was dealing with these feelings of anxiety and um, depression and yeah it was quite hard just to maintain normal functionality really and then being at home with a little one that really kind of made it that much more intense. So. Yeah, it's been a bit of a battle, but I had to stop expecting too much of myself, I think. That's one of my one of my uh many uh flaws is that sometimes I put a bit too much pressure on myself to do so many things in a day. And I had to just stop that because that was just not it was just not happening, <laughs> it wasn't happening. So, um there was that um I kind of fell off my meditating horse as well which is a bit disappointing because it really did help but I'm back on it I'm back on it now and also reading I've actually started reading for pleasure more than um, study reading which has been really nice actually so the book I've most recently read I've just finished it today actually was conversations with friends by Sally Rooney which is her debut novel which I really enjoyed, actually. Really enjoyed. I like a bit of entanglement. So, yeah, it was good. I'm not going to give it away if you haven't read it. But, um, yeah, it's really, really good. Some really interesting characters. The main character I struggled with a bit. Because although you kind of tend to feel for her, you feel a bit sorry for her. But then she just does things that make you think, move, man. Like, just, yeah. She's she's a bit, she's a bit annoying like that. But um, really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I read it in, like a few days so it's a nice easy read and what else i've also oh i haven't really been watching much tv i tend to either fall down youtube video rabbit holes or um read but i did at the beginning of lockdown well actually it was quite near, it was near the middle it was near the middle i re-watched true blood i'm a huge vampire fan i'm a fanger I loved that show when it first came out and watched it then, and, and loyally stuck with it even when it started going all the way left. I still watched it. I had to keep watching it because, you know, when you invest so much time in something, you have to see it through. Similar with The Vampire Diaries, I can't believe I watched all those seasons of that show because the end was just so aggravating to my soul. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. But anyway, yeah, so I re-watched True Blood and I didn't really appreciate the first time I watched it just how much of a bastard Bill Compton is. Like, he was a grade A bastard. Like, I don't even... I thought... No, I don't know what I was thinking. I think it was that smoulder. he smouldered his way into my heart the first time around. I just thought he was misunderstood. But then he went all, like... Yeah, he went mad and then he went all, like... I am God kind of, oh gosh, but yeah, he was a proper bastard, yeah, and Eric was just always the better one, Eric was just always just so much better, just, yeah, I don't know why I didn't see that before, I really don't, I don't know, I don't know, but yeah, this time around, yeah, I was, I was, I I was wise to Bill and his bastard ways, and yeah, fell in love with season four, Eric, all over again. For those of you that watch it, you know what I'm talking about. Season four, Eric was literally the cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life. And another thing I didn't really appreciate before was just how much Jason grew on me. Like, I mean, he was harmless. He was a bit of a fuckboy, but his kind of redemption arc was imperfect. But it was definitely, it was it was Jason, you know, can't really expect too much from him but yeah i loved that i loved him and who else did i love oh obviously lafayette lafayette was literally the greatest c- tv character i think maybe next to omar from the wire but lafayette oh he was just yeah magnificent and it's it's so 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 sad that um, ellis is no longer with us he's just oh, he was absolutely amazing in that as that in that role up to Lafayette. Oh, yeah, just just how annoying I found Stucky Stackhouse House. Like Stucky Stackhouse House was mad annoying. Like I'm surprised, I'm so I'm 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 really surprised nobody killed her. I'm really really shocked at that. But yeah, she was the main character, so I guess she had to live. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed re-watching that. There was a lot of sex. I, I forgot quite how much sex was in that show, like a lot of sex a lot of a lot of sex but anyway um and new tv new tv I have I finished watching um I May Destroy You which is just absolutely phenomenal like if you haven't watched that like get your ass on iPlayer and watch it like just just binge just binge it will spin your head like it's so good It's really, really good. I'm sure you've seen people talking about, heard people talking about it or seen bits and pieces about it on social media. And yeah, all I can say is you you need to watch it. Michaela Cole is, she is a magnificent genius with bone structure of the gods. Like, ah, she's just amazing. Everything about the show, I just loved. I loved just how raw and how real and how relatable so many things that happened in the show were. The issues that are tackled in the show um, are around sexual assault, consent, relationships, friendship, and, you know, our perceptions of what a victim looks like and you know what a what an abuser looks like it's such a, an amazing piece of television like the writing the cinematography like everything everything about it you just it sucks you in. It really does. And so many things that happen in it, you're like, oh, rad. When you think about things, you know, oh, I know someone that that kind of thing happened to. But at the time, it was, you know, there's a lot of grey areas. That's that's what There's a lot of grey areas in the show. So definitely check that out. Um, I can't give away spoilers. I can't, yeah, I can't go into it. But because I don't know who's watched it and who hasn't. But if you haven't seen it, please, 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 please watch it. It's on iPlayer, it's called I May Destroy You, and yeah, it will blow your mind. And that's it for What's Happening. So this is where I will talk about student midwife-y things. And a little while ago, I went out on Instagram and asked for some suggested topics of discussion. And two suggestions were um, my experience as a first year, and also my experience during this COVID madness. So I thought I'd just combine the two and give like a um, synopsis of year one and and also how I've been getting on during the season of Rona. So I started uni in September um, as a mature student who had been out of education for a long, long time. I was really excited to finally able to pursue something that I was really passionate about and so I was really really looking forward to it also a bit nervous because I didn't know anyone like I didn't go to college I didn't do an access course so I didn't meet people through college so that was a bit nerve wracking like rocking up on the first day but everyone was like really excited there was a real buzz and yeah it was really nice to finally meet the people that yeah I'd be going on this um this journey with so that first two weeks was just an absolute blur um really I spoke to so many people i like sat next to different people all the time so it was just like so many different faces and then we started we went out to practice I think it was like maybe a month after we'd started a month or so so I think it was the October and um we were on community and community placement, which I absolutely loved. I was really, really scared at first. I was really scared that my mentor was gonna hate me for some unknown reason. I always have that fear that people are just gonna hate me. <laughs> I need to uh, sort that out. But um, she didn't hate me, she was really lovely. And I really enjoyed the um, community placement. Um, I loved meeting the women and their families. And yeah, it was just a really, really lovely experience i i thought i would like community and i really really did um got got quite good at doing manual blood pressures um that's definitely something you will do a lot of and urine dips so yeah prepare yourself for all dipping all of the urine in the world um but um I'm, i'm very very confident in my blood pressure taking now so that's good um I was really looking forward to going back out at the end of the year. But unfortunately, that hasn't happened. Um, And I'll get onto that in a minute. So my first placement was in community. Absolutely loved that. Especially when I got to see towards the end of my placement. So I was there from October until, I think it was just before Christmas. And so women had been starting to have their babies. I think about three or four women that I'd seen from when they were still pregnant to having their babies just before Christmas and that was really lovely like really nice so yeah I really enjoyed community and then after Christmas I went to the delivery suite and I was looking forward to it but I was so scared like I was really really scared of going to delivery I was scared of being in a room and then someone barking at me to like get something and me not knowing what the hell that thing was and just like absolutely like shitting myself like I was really really scared but yeah I absolutely loved um delivery suite placement I didn't have a well I had a mentor but at first she was off and then so I for my summer for my first few weeks there I was just going with different different um, midwives which was good because you saw how people did things differently which is really helpful but also it kind of put me on edge a bit because every single time like they weren't sure of what I could do or what I could do so that was yeah that was a bit daunting but in a way, I think it made me make that bit more effort to just get on with things like And just, yeah, just throw myself into everything. Just say yes to everything. If they, they, you know, they ask you, well, do you want to come and see this? Just say yes. That would be my advice to anyone. If you're offered any sort of learning opportunity, like, say yes. Like, just go for it. Do what, you know, let them show you stuff and talk to you about stuff. And you'll end up learning so much from these kind of instances where someone just like, oh, yeah, do you want to come and see this? Um, So always say yes to those kind of opportunities. So, that was delivery. I saw so many amazing women. Like, it's, it blows your mind just how strong and um, it's just amazing. Like, I don't think I could ever, ever, ever get bored of, of it, like, of seeing new life coming into the world, of seeing women birth their babies. I just, yeah, I can never, ever, ever get bored of it. Like, Never. Yeah, delivery was awesome. Delivery was awesome. And, oh, yeah, another thing is I was on... Oh, that was six weeks. For six weeks, I was there. And for those six weeks, I was on nights. Like, every shift was a night shift. And I I, I thought that I would probably die. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. But um, it was actually all right. I think I preferred them. There were some nights where nothing happened. Like, literally, nothing happened. I... Those nights were awful. When it's busy, like, you feel like you're you're literally, like, a dead man walking. But on those nights where nothing, literally nothing happens, oh my gosh, it's absolutely dreadful. Like, I would be sitting there and there'd be conversation. I remember one time I was sitting and... Like you know, when you fall asleep and your head kind of nods forward and then you like snap it back. Like I literally, I thought my head was gonna pop off because like I snap, <laughs> it snapped my head back so so fast <laughs> because I was falling asleep. Like I and I had to get up. I just then I got up and went to like tidy something or restock a cupboard or something. I just had to get up. Those nights are really hard, really hard. But I really actually enjoyed the nights. Um, I I now, I haven't worked a day on delivery shift yet, so that's yet to come but I really did enjoy the night shifts which I thought I would actually hate and um, the only thing for me was I found it really difficult to sleep straight away afterwards especially if there'd been like you know a few like births and I'd be like super excited about it yeah that was like the only thing um but I would say yeah I really enjoyed night shifts I really enjoyed them um so after that Placement. I was then on postnatal, um, on the postnatal ward, which was mad busy, like so busy. It was yeah. It was just it was crazy. Every every shift was um, was mad, and that was so that was from yeah the beginning of February. So I wasn't actually there for that long, and then I took some time off because I'll say I, I as I said before I wasn't really feeling well in myself so I took a little bit of time off and then I came back and that was when that was just so just a couple of weeks before lockdown yeah it was a couple of weeks before lockdown um and was, there was staff that, that um it was just kind of short-staffed and there was a couple of days where there was literally no beds it was just so it was heaving like really really full so the midwives bless them. They were working like so so hard to kind of, um, get get people discharged if they could be discharged, and you know just to keep the wheels turning. And I really salute them. It was it was like for me like as a as a student seeing how like just how hard everybody was working, it was you know really humbling. Um, and getting to you know, I really kind of rolled my sleeves up and just got involved with everything and anything that needed doing. And one of the midwives, that she actually said, I think it was my last shift, um, because the the next day we were told about you know lockdown and stuff. She actually said, you know how much she really appreciated the fact that I just got on with it, um, and wasn't kind of just like following them around aimlessly. Just if you can, just make yourself useful in any way. They will every like any they will appreciate it. The MCAs will appreciate it. The midwives will appreciate it too. Um, and so there wasn't really that much time for learn, like learning, like being shown things because the midwives was so busy, but I would always volunteer to do stuff like I'd volunteer to do, take bloods or, you know, um, anything that I could do to make myself useful. Um, I did, um, it was just crazy, crazy hectic, um, so yeah, those days, those long day shifts were long days, like <laughs> it was just full on, really full on. Um, although I really enjoyed it because I got to do my favourite one of my favourite things, which is um breastfeeding support. I love, love, love that. So I got lots of opportunity to to do that, which um I really liked. Um and the midwives really appreciated as well. So and then um yeah, and then lockdown happened and so um, as a first year student, we, the first years in our cohort were pulled from um, practice um, because obviously there was just no capacity for, you know, mentors and um, and things for us. It would, it would just been impossible. I think we would have got in the way more than anything. So um completely understand why um, that decision was made. And then we've been doing, so yeah, from March we've been doing theory. So we've been at home. Um, some of us with kids, some of us without, you know, some of us live, you know, on our own, some, you know, all kinds of different, like, living situations. Um, But the one thing in common is that we've, I think we've, we've all been struggling a little bit. I, I definitely struggled with motivation. My motivation took a massive nosedive. Like, it nosedived and it, like, hit the ground and exploded and, yeah, it was it was obliterated, like, there was nothing just nothing so I really struggled with even like looking at the book looking at my notes looking at anything um and yeah there was assignments to write um that's oh that's another thing I haven't um, really spoken about so assessment wise I think I first our first assessment was a viva on the NMC code um and I was mad nervous anytime I have to talk I get mad nervous so <laughs> doing a podcast is like yeah really good for my nerves um but yeah I get really nervous and like fumble my words a lot so that was a bit of a baptism of fire that's something I have to get better at definitely because yeah you you talk a lot as a midwife so I'm gonna have to get over that as well um but that went well and then we had our first written assignment um which was an essay it was an essay oh yeah it was an essay on the NHS constitution um so I was actually weirdly quite looking forward to the written assignments I I love and I hate um writing essays like I love getting to the end of it all and reading it and thinking yeah that that sounds all right but it's it's all the it's all the rest of it (laughs) like um yeah it's it's a love hate thing i have with um with writing i think it's more i think it's a bit more love than hate although the hate does spike quite often um and then we had then we had an exam yes we had an exam we had a physiology exam um which yeah which went pretty well actually i i love like anatomy and physiology like I really really enjoy that so um although it was stressful it's stressful in the sense that it was the first exam we'd sat like written exam so it was like oh you didn't quite know like the level it would be at or you know how how you know how deep you had to go in with like the knowledge and it was yeah it was that kind of fear of the unknown really but revision was It was like a... It was a slow and steady uh, process. I I cannot cram. I'm not a crammer. Like, I don't... I don't do well with last-minute stuff. I can't do that. Like, I salute you, all you crammers, that can do this night before business because me... No, that would just... No, that would finish me off. So I always have to start revising quite early. And, yeah, and then just take it slow. Do bit by bit by bit by bit and recap and, and so on and so forth. So, and then it's been... Oh, we had the lockdown exam oh my days I sat an exam at home with the soundtrack of um my little one and my husband arguing over something or other um which it was um, it was new it was a new experience and one that I never want to do ever again <laughs> to be honest I would rather sit in an exam room where it's quiet and you know it's just like yeah just focus on your exam then we sat at home and the day was like um it was like amazing weather as well so I'm sat at my desk like which is by the window wishing I was outside listening to uh, Tom and Jerry upstairs arguing and um yeah just just not wanting to be like typing this exam but um we move and uh yeah so that was done and then we had um, three more written assignments. So the next thing was the literature review. Now, we got the assignment brief for this a while ago. But as I said, once we were on lockdown, my my motivation went, it just went, it just disappeared. So I had this stack of research papers and lots of good intentions. But i i had to force myself i really had to dig deep and force myself to sit there and to to read to reread these research papers and yeah start writing this literature review if you get given a literature review start that shit early like do not leave that like because you will feel like at some point that you're going mad because you just have to keep reading these these You have to keep reading these pieces of research over and over and over until you remember, like, this is about this, this is about that, they said this, they said that, they found this and they found that, and then you you go on and talk about it. Because flipping back and forth while you're writing, I can't do that. I have to read first, absorb, and then I can write. So, yeah, but that's just how I do it. Again, I cannot... I think I submitted it, like, maybe about three or four days before it was due. And for me, that's late. I was like, I felt under pressure. I, felt, I really felt under pressure. But, um, yeah, that's probably the, the the latest I've submitted something so far. I'm usually like, yeah, just get it done and submit it when the, when the portal's open. But, yeah, that one hurt. That, that literature review hurt. So we've only recently got the results from that one and thankfully I passed it, but yeah, that really, really hurt, Um, that hurt my brain, it hurt my heart a little bit as well, well, to be honest. Oh, yeah. And then we had, oh, we had a case study, um, case study essay, and finally our health promotion um, leaflet, which was supposed to be a presentation, but that Rona again, spanners in the works um so yeah but that's all done now I'm done with my um, theory I just have a bit of extracurricular work going on again I'll have to explain that another time but and then that's it so placement was put on hold and um yeah I kind of lost my way a bit I I just I didn't feel like a student I wasn't going to lectures I mean I was but I was doing them in my living room whilst feeding my child snacks, endless snacks, all the snacks in the world. <laughs> um and it just didn't feel like yeah, it just didn't feel like I was a student anymore. Yeah, I felt quite sad about that, actually. I was missing, you know, missing the girls from the cohort as well. Like I just felt yeah, like yeah, just really disconnected from everything. So I was reading like journals and on social media follow loads of like midwifery related things just to just just to remind myself that yes I'm still a student midwife um being out of practice I felt like I know why obviously we're out of practice um but I really missed it I really missed it I I was in touch with my community mentor just to check in and see how she was getting on and You know, I was was actually really looking forward to going back out with her at the end of the year because I was meant to go... After postnatal, I was meant to go back out to community and then finish the year off in delivery. So, um, yeah, I was really looking forward to... She was looking forward to getting me to do her bloods and the blood spots. (laughs) Um, And I was, yeah, I was really kind of, like, really excited about getting more involved in delivering and booking booking, um, appointments as well. So... Ho-ho, um, I'll have to wait until we're, we're let back in. Um, so we're just waiting for news, really, of when we can go back out to, to practice. We are rearing to go, but I'm also enjoying a bit of time to just breathe a bit. Now that the whole COVID, I mean lockdown and all that is easing off a bit, at first I felt like I was a bit, like, I was just trapped at home, not being able to go anywhere or do anything, you know. I was really quite negative about things and that wasn't helping my mood and things like that so just realizing really that um things could be a lot worse and just doing whatever I can to do to yeah just stay positive really so it has been tough and like especially with um getting theory work done it's been like I've had to yeah really dig deep motivation-wise, see, I, I I like, I prefer to work in the library, like, I like writing my assi- assignments, like, in, like, perfect silence, like, I, I don't like noise when I'm trying to work, but I know now that if forced, to, do, if I have to, then <laughs> I can, yeah, so that's how I've been. Another thing is that, Uh, I've tried to find different ways of making myself feel a bit more positive by doing things that, you know, are good for me. So I spent loads of money on new makeup, (laughs) books, um, and I've started going out running, not as regularly as maybe I should, but I've rediscovered the joys of running And it's just such a nice way of having a bit of alone time and being able to play music really loud just for myself. So I have all my explicit lyrics (laughs) blasting into my ears because I can't really play them at home because of the little parrot. So yeah, everybody's had their own kind of coping mechanisms. I hope you found your wholesome coping mechanisms during the season of Rona. So yeah, that's um that's like my quick rundown of the year. It's really really quick rundown. I've I've missed loads out. I'm not gonna lie. I'll probably have to have this conversation again, <laughs> um just a bit more detail. But I'm just trying to fit in the two um two elements of COVID and um year one so that's my abridged version of year one but you can catch up on little bits and pieces as well on my instagram if you don't already follow me please follow me please um yeah so catch me on instagram and you'll be able to see kind of like the um progress of my year so yeah that's year one in the season of rona yeah that's it (laughs) Okay, so now it's time for my first ever Black Mum to Midwife podcast guest. So I'd like to introduce the founder of Edwards Tutoring and published author, Sarah Edwards. Hi, Sarah. Hi, everyone. Hi, Chelsea. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you. Okay, everyone who comes onto the podcast has to um, do these uh, getting to know you questions. So first one, what was the last book you read?
1: Okay, so it was, um, the, have you heard of The Monk Who sold His Ferrari by Robin Sharma? No. It's, it's life-changing. Like, it's one of those books. So for, for ages, I, I've been, like, reading, like, fiction. So I started off reading, like, crime fiction, that kind of stuff. I was always interested in crime. And then I read other, like, fiction books. And then a friend of mine, it was during lockdown, said, oh, why don't you read this book? I haven't finished reading it yet, so you can have it. I read it, I think it's the quickest book I've ever read and I want to read it again and again. So it's by Robin Sharma and he, I won't give too much away, but he talks about the story of a barrister Mm. that was, you know, high-flying, you know, had a Ferrari, was successful in terms of like finance and he um, has a heart attack in the middle of the courtroom Mm. and then realises, hang on a minute, I need to change my life. So it's all about his journey of changing his life.
0: Wow! Amazing. Interesting. That sounds interesting.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I'll add that to my TBR list, which is growing by the second. I know I got to my <laughs> <list>. <laughs> right. Next question is: What are three things that bring you joy?
1: Um. Okay. So one is like my always go to is have a hot bath. Like have a bath. You know, have some time for myself. Love a bath. Um. My other thing is. I suppose I can't really do it now, but I just love walking barefoot on either the beach or even the pavement. (laughs) It's a bit of a weird one, but just having your bare feet out. Like every time I go on holiday, I I like just take the flip flops out and just, oh, just walking there. is amazing. Yeah.
0: I remember as a, as a child, whenever we would go back to Jamaica, like for summers or Christmases, literally yeah. the first thing was all of us, me and my cousins would do, would just take off our shoes and just be running around barefoot, like, it was just, it's just so it's like the best feeling ever. Um, and then
1: what else, um, oh, seeing my two kids, my two girls, they're two and four, just seeing them laugh their head off. Like when they just make each other laugh and just crack each other up laughing, it's just like fills
0: film to my heart. It's like,
1: oh, <laughs> that's cute. <That's>
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure if you used to watch any wrestling when you were younger, but if you were a WWE superstar, what would be your entrance music?
1: So I didn't watch it out of choice. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a younger brother. So it was kind of... Forced into watching it on the TV, or even I think he even had a PlayStation version. But <laughs> um, yeah, it would be um, rudimental waiting all night. Just no. Love that song. You know how just even the words. You know, waiting all night, and just how it kind of just really kicks in. So I imagine myself like standing there, and then and as it kicks in, I'm kind of getting ready to fight. Do Taekwondo, so. That's how I'm imagining it. I'm not imagining W E, imagining like being in the
0: club one day. And finally, this is a would you rather? So would you rather have the ability to read everyone's minds or to see into everyone's future? Mm. Ooh, what
1: would
0: be more interesting? I think
1: read inside everyone's minds. Because then that kind of gives you a little peek into the future anyway. So True, <laughs> true. It right, so. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good one. Because I've always been interested in psychology. Awesome.
0: Thank, awesome. You. Yeah. Thank you. So that's it. That's for our getting, uh, getting to know you around. So thanks for that. And we're going to be diving into our main discussion. And Sarah's joined us to talk about a lovely home birth experience. So let's dive into that, Sarah. What is it that made you actually think about having a home birth in the first place?
1: Um, Okay, so firstly, it wasn't even in my mind. Um, When I found out I was pregnant in 2015, I I didn't want to think about birth. It was like, okay, I won't think about it until my due date was May. I was like, just ignore, like, don't even think about giving birth yet because I will just stress myself out about it and worry myself about it when it's not even there yet. I thought, I'm not going to have nine months of worry. And then um, as the midwife appointments got closed, she was like, oh, we're talking about your birth plan. And I was like, okay, um, just a hospital birth then, because that's kind of all you think about. It's like, just hospital." She's like, oh, well, you know, you can do midwife led or home birth. I was like, no, 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 not, not a home birth. I'll just have a hospital birth, because that is all you kind of know. And this was when I was living in London, and she mentioned that. And then... I think I went away off that conversation so that like, you know feel free to you know change your mind it's not set in stone whatever we write so I think I write down mm-hmm. and then when it actually I went away and thought about it and started kind of looking at things about home birth um and then it came across like hypnobirthing stuff um like mindfulness and yoga and as I kind of read and researched a bit more I was like actually this kind of fits with What I would want my birth to be non stressful, Mm -hmm. non kind of invasive, as relaxed as possible, on my own terms as much as possible. So I was like, actually, I'm going to kind of give it a go. So then by that time, I'd moved to Luton. So when my midwife said about it, I was like, yeah, I want to have a home birth. Um, So I already knew. So yeah, I think the main thing. So at the same time, I started some yoga, um, Mm -hmm. pregnancy yoga. And that kind of confirmed the decision for me as well. So, yeah, it, it wasn't an instant decision. It was like a really long, like, decision, doing a bit of research. Mm. I don't know. I didn't know anyone, like, in my family or friends that had had a home birth. So it's, it was just like a
0: Whole new world yeah and did you feel um you mentioned obviously you didn't really know anyone that had had a home birth, but did you feel supported in your decision or um, did you feel like you know it was a generally positive response to your, yeah. your mom? Um,
1: so it was a positive response from the midwife. she was like, Oh great, brilliant, mm-hmm. um, which was really nice actually to have them on board. when I told my partner initially he was like, "What?" <laughs> and then when I explained, he was like, "Oh okay, and he came around pretty quick with right the idea. So, you know as long as what you want um when I told family members so I told my mom she was also like oh you can't have a home birth not for your first <laughs> first baby and that was kind of the general feeling it's not for your first baby a home birth really mm. I think because maybe in maybe like my mum's generation she was born at home but it wasn't really our choice I think that was just what you had done back then like just yeah, the yeah. 60s. so it's kind of maybe for her thinking are you going like back in time <laughs> yeah. there
0: is that there is a bit of that you know use the medical advances that we have been kind of yeah. we've been given but it's not always necessary yeah 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 definitely
1: so yeah definitely mixed views um but I kind of stood my ground I was like no that's what I want you know I'm not having anyone change my mind um it's my birth my body so I'm, I'm having that
0: you mentioned you started doing yoga um and how else did you find your preparation for birth how did you go about readying um, yourself
1: so i i think i've done yoga maybe like at 20 weeks i think i think you can do it at 16 weeks um but because i moved um i couldn't do it any earlier so I went to, I actually went to the yoga because I've done a bit of yoga on and off like in that adult life and I went there thinking it would be like normal yoga <laughs> I was a bit underwhelmed I was like oh because at, at like 20 weeks I didn't really have a bump I felt like the morning sickness is gone so I felt able to do more yeah, And the first session I was like a bit underwhelmed, but then actually by the end of the session I was like, you know what, this is really nice for me to slow down. You'd, I remember her saying, you know, you don't have to go gun ho with everything, you know, just do slow, gentle movements, you know, get up slowly. And a lot of it was done on like beanbags. She would dim the light, we would have meditation at the end, you will be like falling asleep. Oh, that sounds lovely. It was, yeah, it was really nice. And to have that once a week gave me that time. It, it was a Thursday evening, so it gave me that time and space to be like, okay, now I can actually start to think about me having a baby. Because you're so busy, you don't actually have that space to think about it. But sometimes it gets all week and then I'll be like, okay, yoga. But now I need to actually... put can unwind a bit. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. In terms of preparation for the home birth, there wasn't much really to do until the last minute. I remember thinking... Do I need to prepare more but you know the midwives were kind of like oh we'll, we'll, you know as the weeks go on we'll um we'll like do the finer details nearer the time so they had came and done a home birth assessment a couple of weeks before um checked that the house was all right and because I had a water birth at home one thing I was worrying about I was thinking oh everyone's going to be wanting a home birth there's not going to be enough pools <laughs> <laughs> I think you just always think the worst. So I was thinking, you know, I want to have that pool ready and here, and the midwives were like, oh no, it'll be fine. Um, There'll be plenty. And I was worried that they wouldn't be on shift. So yeah, preparation for that, they came round, spoke to me and my partner, made sure we had everything set up for like the water birth and home birth. So that was a bit shorter term preparation. And then plan B was, if anything happens, So we live quite near to where the paramedic cars park. If anything happens, we can whisk you straight off to hospital. Mm. You know, we're fully trained, fully qualified. Like they kind of reassured me that any like safety aspects are dealt with. Basis are all covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I suppose yeah, that's kind of all the preparation I did. Mm. Um. There was kind of on the day, do you want to know about on the day preparation? Yes, yes. So on the day preparation, I can't remember when the pool turned up, not that long before because we didn't have it set up. And I think they say set it up a few days before, Mm -hmm. but I was due on the 4th of May and my waters broke a week early. So we weren't prepared at all. I've just about packed my hospital bag. Mm. and It happened at four o'clock in the morning that my waters broke and me and my partner just plastered, we were just in a panic. Um, he got dressed in his work uniform and we're <sighs> like, Drive you to the hospital. I don't know why we thought go to the hospital when we were having a home birth. So, and then I forgot my notes, I left them on the bathroom side. We drove to the hospital and um, they put me on the monitor and checked me and everything, checked for the heartbeat. And we were there maybe a couple of hours and I couldn't really feel any contractions or anything. And she was like, Oh, well. Do you want to stay here? And I was like, well, I'm having a home birth. Or I would like to go home. So I said, okay, I can go home. And then on the way home, I could really feel contraction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember the midwife saying, Call us when you really feel them close together. So I got home about nine o'clock. And about half nine, an I was like, okay, we need to call her. They're like really close together. Yeah, I remember having my yoga ball at home. And because the pool wasn't set up, obviously when we got home at like nine o'clock, my partner had to set up the pool and then fill it up with water oh wow so obviously a high uh like the pool it's a bit like a jacuzzi size yeah they're quite high aren't they Sorry. yeah they're quite high and quite deep and then another thing we maybe we did get told but we didn't even think it has to be a certain temperature for water so um, because we just moved into our house the month before We didn't know how much water was held in our water tank, so the water tank went out of water, and then my partner had to get pots and pans and fill it up. So really, I didn't spend much time in the pool. Mm -hmm. Most of it was kind of just being around the house. Being Yeah, and that's kind of the labour. But preparation was, yeah, very last minute in the end.
0: Mm -hmm. And so on, continuing with your on the day, um, how was your experience at home? Like,
1: Yeah, I loved it being at home. Um, I remember coming straight upstairs. Um, my partner ran me a bath, but I couldn't get in it. I was so like full on <laughs> my belly. And it just felt uncomfortable because the bathtub is so small when you're pregnant. You. So I got out of there and I remember just, yeah, I had my yoga ball and I was upstairs kind of rocking on that, kind of laying on the bed. Even over the bed and um, i had my relaxation music prepared So I kind of you had
0: your playlist, playlist sorted
1: yeah, i had my playlist sorted um on my laptop he even made me um breakfast they so made me like scrambled eggs and bacon i couldn't eat it and normally i'm an eater i will eat everything
0: and i couldn't eat and then he was like okay you're definitely in labour <laughs> <laughs> I was exactly the same I, I, I came home because I had to ring him and he came home and he made me scrambled eggs on toast and yeah. that was like one of my favourite things yeah. and I tried eating it and yeah. it just all came back up again I was just Did like it? no yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. So then, and then I remember getting hot flushes so I was walking like I went up I was going up and down the stairs I was kind of just irritable I was like I can't get in a position I can't get comfy don't want to be upstairs and I don't want to be in the garden, and I remember just walking, I had my like, night here on, walking in and out of the garden, because it was in April, so it was quite a warm day actually. I remember being in the garden, being really hot, and pacing in there, and then sometimes I was like, just, you know, just leave me alone, get on with what you're doing, I was like, over the yoga ball had the tennis machine as well I think that
0: helped I think it's like a really good uh, like maximum. <laughs> <laughs> distraction tool more than anything yes, it's
1: like, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it does it, like focus your mind somewhere else. and then yeah so I didn't really know what was going on with him filling up the pool didn't really want to get involved in that I was just trying to like concentrate I was trying to remember all the stuff from yoga we learned all about like breathing technique and just kind of myself calm and I think yeah so then so yeah the midwives turned up so there was two midwives that were actually luckily from my local surgery that had been caring for me oh,
0: nice. um, so
1: that was really nice and then I had a trainee midwife and they'd obviously checked beforehand that I was happy so it was completely fine having a trainee um and then when they said you know it's ready to get in the pool I don't really remember being in there much apart from for pushing um, Yes, I don't really remember being along. long. I was just sitting up, pushing. Um, So, yeah, and then, obviously, the baby came out. (laughs) (laughs) But I do remember, um, so I had my partner kind of next to me. He was, like, really encouraging me. I was, like, doing all my yoga breaths and everything. And um, I don't know if this is normal. I think it is normal. But um, so I pushed, and then I was like, I can't feel any more pushes. I was trying to tell him myself, stay calm. Like I'm sure that's just normal and fine. And I think it's when the baby turns a little bit. Yeah, and, they have to. Yeah. Well, but I I didn't know that. So like I was, one part of me was thinking, oh no. The other part was thinking, no, ignore that and just go with it. Um. Oh, and the gas and air. I, I remember them telling me to slow down. <laughs> that stuff <laughs> was just amazing. Kind of it, the white <laughs> breath. I was just
0: yeah I got told I was starting to hyperventilate as well like
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then yeah and then I remember my partner always remembers he said that she came out of the water and like looks up at
0: us
1: (laughs) and he always remembers that part and he didn't get any photos or video I think because we were just so engrossed in the whole the moment Mm. yeah and it was just really lovely like for my first birth when she came out and then obviously she just I was, so I was lean, like when I gave birth, I was like leaning on the edge, mm-hmm. um, and I remember she just kind of pulled up and was just on my chest, um, and it was just yeah, it was just like really lovely. Like even now talking about it, like I just remember it so clearly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was
0: that's amazing. Wow, she was just, yeah, little tiny baby, she
1: was five pound nine. Oh, she was diddy like really diddy Um. Yeah, so it was just really a really nice moment. And then um so it, it was in here actually in the dining room. And then I was able to just go on the sofa, put my dressing gown on, and just lay there with my baby and my partner. Oh, that's amazing. That was just lovely. You know, it was it happened in the middle of the day, so all that all that happened from like nine o'clock and then she was born at half past one mm. in the afternoon. So it was relatively short. Mm. Um, it was just nice you know it was a nice sunny afternoon I could just lay on the sofa they were like you know just lay down we'll sort their bits out and then they weighed her and then just gave her straight back to me um and I was like was that it they're like yeah we're gonna go now leave you alone with your baby oh like I didn't even know what to expect for how long they're gonna be there they were Mm. just like really nice about it as well um and I remember ringing my sister I was like um yeah I've had the baby and she was like It
0: sounds like you had a baby. That's that's a perfect testament to how amazing that 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 is. It's just like you're looking at you now. You're just like glowing, and it's it's so it's so lovely. (laughs) It's so lovely. I really, 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 really wish because my midwife actually suggested it to me when Mm. she came over to assess me, and she was like, you know, you've been you've been labouring fine at home like all day, so Mm. why you should just stay and in the back of my mind I was like maybe you should just stay like maybe I should just stay at home but then mm. I had that no no I need to be in the hospital that kind of yeah, it's my first yeah. time I need to go to the hospital yeah. so with hindsight which is always you know 2020 20, yeah. um yeah. I'm like oh I should have just stayed at home really yeah, yeah. but um, for that, was that the first time that it was
1: into the idea was introduced to you like as you were giving birth <laughs> as you were in labor
0: no it was my my midwife did suggest she was like you know you're low risk and yeah and you know you're a perfect candidate for home birth you know you've got the space here like everything you know there's no complications that we can foresee so why don't you just like think about it and i was like yeah i'll think about it but in the back of my mind i just had that but it's the first time maybe I should just go to the hospital for the first yeah, time and' you do then... think that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> the first time you have to be in hospital mm. so yeah. I always I always 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 like really admire um women who are like, oh nope, first time I'll stay at home i just I just love hearing about um yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. first
0: time' as home birthing, so that's amazing. yeah, it was yeah, just definitely
1: like something I'll always remember, even though there's not much photos or videos um yeah, it's just a memory yeah, it's Precious yeah. and of course it is one because you hear because as well i purposely didn't watch one born every minute or any like youtube about horrendous birth so yeah. i didn't want to fill my mind with that because you always hear of you know births are long Pain. horrible painful yeah. um so even you know when i tell people now like when i as i met my mum's friends they were like oh no way like mine was like completely the opposite and they didn't even know that was an option or like didn't even like you said you know you might be told about it but not really entertain the idea because you're so used to kind of one way of thinking about that yeah
0: it's funny you should say that because in practice when i was in in commute in the community Mm -hmm. and we would be doing booking appointments and my mentor would get me to do the bit about you know birth cho- choices of where to have baby and mm. like nine times out of ten as soon as I said home birth people would like recoil at me no. and just be like no, no. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like think about it just 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 think. don't automatically dismiss it but you find that people really do have like a really strong reaction yeah, when no. you mention mm-hmm. um, when you mention home birth um which is yeah it's quite funny um yeah
1: yeah, so it definitely needs to be done. I don't know if it is being done at the moment with, mid, like with your training about, you know, just letting people know, like, experiences of home birth because, mm. you know, I, I can't even remember if it was in any of the magazines, but it's always like, pack your hospital bag. It's everything hospital. It really um, is. It really is. Yeah.
0: I've got one more question. Yeah. So what advice would you give to expectant parents who were toying with the idea of, um, of, of home birth?
1: definitely consider it like if you're already toying with the idea so you're already on the fence do re- like do research so I, I just remember googling home birth home birth experiences and um, looking up youtube channels about it and even like however i found that route of like hippo birthing and yoga with The yoga i felt like so empowered doing it i was like okay i remember her saying you know, your body is naturally made to give birth. You're you're designed to give birth. Women have been doing it for hundreds, thousands of years without any like hospital intervention. And I remember her telling a story about how um, in some cultures they like give birth standing up and like squatting, and we used to do, like warrior pose, and like all about you know you are strong, you are able to do this. You know, you're confident, strong woman. You can give birth. It's all like real positive mantras that mm-hmm. maybe you could get just by like reading stuff and researching stuff um and even hypnobirthing i remember my so i didn't do like official hypnobirthing but there's a lot of free stuff out there And i remember my auntie who's a midwife she's like a lot older like she's been midwife for a long time you know she laughed at the idea of hypnobirthing like oh yeah you know the women that come in with their crazy hypnobirthing (laughs) you know even like within the profession it's seen as like some hippie thing that it's like really alternative and out there, but it's not that alternative when you think about it. It's no. just like a positive mindset. Mm-hmm. Like I used to listen to it going to sleep. Um, And it just fills your head with like positive thoughts. Like I can do this. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's the first time in my life that I felt like I'm in control of myself and my life. I'm independent and I can do this. Like there's no other time where, you know, I've been like, firm and strong in my decision with things and I think that's really like contributed to like who I am today is actually having that belief that I can do something because birth is always like I always know I wanted children but birth you just think is like how do people do it how do they push a baby out like
0: (laughs) like, it's one of those transformative uh, events
1: yeah but and I remember her showing us diagrams you might see them at school but as an adult like she was showing us like how actually she was, like if you want to see them this is actually what happens to your body which I was actually really grateful for because I just you know tried to ignore all that so yeah advice to parents is consider it when they're telling you in that doctor's room home birth don't automatically be like no but actually ask questions about it and yeah make make that decision and it doesn't even matter the size of your house, you know. And yeah, just ask the questions. Don't be afraid to kind of go against the kind of majority. But I'm, I'm really gutted. Maybe I'll need to come on again and talk about my second birth. <laughs> my second birth didn't turn out like the first birth. So again, yeah. those of you that are thinking, um, oh, I don't want to do it for my first birth. I'll do it for like another one. You don't know what your body's going to do for the next one. So take that chance now because mm, mm. I was destined for a home birth for my second child and it, it didn't go to plan so yeah. if you're thinking about
0: it do it like go for it yeah, 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 lovely thank you so much Sarah it's been a, it's been really really nice chatting to you and hearing about your awesome home birth so thank you so much for joining me um and yeah we Thanks. shall hopefully we'll, we'll have you on again be yeah, for well, number two. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just as <laughs> eventful. <wonderful. laughs>
1: well, thank you so much, Chelsea. It's been lovely. No problem, no yeah, problem.
0: Okay. <laughs> so we're drawing to the close of the first episode of the Black Mum to Midwife podcast. and um, thank you so much for tuning in. I do hope you've enjoyed it. and um, I'd like to close with a poem from the anthology called Staying Alive. And in keeping with the birthing um, theme of this episode, this poem is called Begin, and it's by Brendan Kennelly. Begin again to the summoning birds, to the sight of the light at the window. Begin to the roar of morning traffic all along Pembroke Road. Every beginning is a promise, born in light and dying in dark determination and exaltation of springtime, flowering the way to work. Begin to the pageant of queuing girls, the arrogant loneliness of swans in the canal, bridges linking the past and future, old friends passing, though with us still. Begin to the loneliness that cannot end, since it perhaps is what makes us begin. Begin to wonder at unknown faces, at crying birds in the sudden rain, At branches stark in the willing sunlight, at seagulls foraging for bread, at couples sharing a sunny secret, alone together while making good. Though we live in a world that dreams of ending, that always seems about to give in, something that will not acknowledge conclusion, insist that we forever begin. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Blackham to Midwife podcast. If you've liked what you've heard, please do leave a review and make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes.